week two, Aaron. What are you thinking? Week two, we made it through the first week. And you know what? There were actually some brave people that actually listened to us. You know what? I was actually kind of surprised. Even some of the feedback that we got from people that we knew were going to listen to it, it was more positive than maybe I originally expected. Friends, folks, if you're listening to our second edition, our second episode, thank you so much for listening to us again. We greatly appreciate it. Hope that you are informed and entertained as we work through our docket of items that we're going to work through this week. Just a reminder, we uh, do this weekly, and there are four things that we walk through. We have leading off, now on deck, in the hole, and batting cleanup. And boy, do we have an exciting array of topics to cover today. We do. Just before we uh, jump into the batting order for this week, uh, best feedback I got was from my wife. We uh, listened to the listen to the podcast, and she would not be described as a quote unquote baseball fan, but she was like, "Wow, that was actually surprisingly informative. I learned something new uh, listening to you guys." So, hey, you don't even have to be a baseball fan to maybe get something out of this, which is great. That's right, and really, that's what we're trying to do. We we want people who are maybe on the fence or apathetic towards baseball to be grabbed by the intrigue and wonder that is baseball. And we have a good lineup for this week, I think. I'm excited already. Yeah, we do. All right, let's get into leading off. Our first item on the agenda for today is what, Alex? So the pitch count is a thing, or the pitch clock is a thing, rather. We are three days into spring training, and all the teams have games under their belt, which means all the teams have experience with uh, the pitch clock. It, it took all of... We'll say 30 seconds for it to happen, uh, for it to take its effect. Manny Machado was the first victim for the San Diego Padres. If you want to call him a victim or a violator or whatever, uh, he took too long getting into the batter's box, immediately started with an 0-1 count. Strike! Exactly. And so he started with an 0-1 count, and then he proceeded to lace the next pitch as a single into into left field. And so apparently it didn't affect him too much, but nonetheless, he was the first victim of many. And and so the the question last week was going to be, how seriously were they going to take this? Through three games, and now we're in the fourth day of spring training, apparently pretty seriously. Very seriously. Pitch clock is no joke, Alex, okay? Baseball this year is going to rise and fall on the seriousness of the pitch clock. The shift, the pitch clock, games will be determined. As a matter of fact, Saturday night, there was a game decided by the pitch clock. The Braves and the Red Sox were playing a game, and the final out was made not on a swinging strike, not on a perfectly placed strike on the outside or inside corner, no, but on a called third strike because the batter was not in the box. So what do we call that? Do we call that a clock off? If it's a, if it's not a walk off or uh, I don't know, you know what the alternative would be. I hate to, you know, I don't want to trademark this advantage umpire. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, it's altogether different. Another scenario yesterday, we had a situation where I didn't know if I was watching a slow pitch softball game or watching a major league baseball game. The clock, uh, the, 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 the count started one, one, uh, the pitcher, uh, let's see diamondbacks pitcher, Joe Mantiply. And the Cubs hitter Brennan Davis, both of the both the pitcher and the hitter violated the clock. So the count started one one, and a pitch hadn't been thrown yet. And so we're already two pitches into the count, which is a, just it's a it's a strange phenomenon to be witnessing live for the first time as a baseball fan. But that game didn't go for four hours. 
It didn't. And I think that's the most newsworthy part of this is win for the pitch clock. We talked about last week, the idea that major league baseball is trying to accomplish a couple things. They're trying to make the game more fun. They're trying to speed up games, try to get things moving a little faster. Last night I was watching college basketball of all things. And on the bottom of the screen, it scrolled through that after three days of spring training, um, through three days last year, games were averaging just over three hours. Games are averaging 26 minutes faster, and they're crediting the pitch clock. You know, that's 26 minutes faster that I can be sitting in traffic in the parking lot waiting to leave the ballpark. It's a win-win. And so now it's, we're... It's, some would even call it a classic win-win-win situation. That's exactly what I was going to say. I agree wholeheartedly. And so it's interesting that... You know, under the three-hour mark, we're now well shorter than an average college football game. And so uh, before you know it, they're going to be as fast as the NFL. We'll see what happens. As fast as the NFL. Yes, that's a good joke right there. All right, so uh, the pitch clock, our, our first impressions are all in all positive or negative, Alex? Positive, but again, I haven't actually, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, I haven't watched like sat down and watched a full length my uh, spring training baseball game. And so we'll see. And again, this is a point of emphasis in the off season. So they're, you know, really, you know, advertising it and promoting it these first few days. We'll see how it sticks. We've talked about how the world baseball classic is not going to do it. And again, once games matter, we'll see how they do. Yeah. I think overall mine, my reaction, my feedback was positive. So one of the best things that I did over the last week was, watch some spring training baseball to me there's nothing better than that first baseball game you watch after having no baseball for a long time so i'm watching the game and unless the pitch clock became a thing i wasn't even aware that the pitch clock was in use it's not on the screen until it gets like under five seconds and that's a, that's a great question i'm curious you were watching a game so do they actually have like a a you know, the, like they do for football games where the play clock's counting down. Do they actually have the numbers pop up on the TV? So I was reading online. So right now in the spring training ballparks, they do have a, a timer off to the side that is visible from some of the camera angles. At the actual MLB stadiums, they're not going to have that anywhere in view of the outfield camera. So unless the producers of the televised broadcast put it on the screen you won't necessarily know it's there. I'm sure for the fans that are in attendance at the game, they'll see the pitch clock. But for fans watching the game, you won't see the pitch clock unless, like you said, like the NFL where it gets under five seconds and then it pops up on the screen. So at home, I'm just going to be sitting there getting emotionally charged because I'm not going to know what's going on. All I know is my guy's got a strike against him now. And You're just going to start screaming, pitch the ball, pitch the ball. <laughs> and then it hits zero and then, you know, ball one. So anyway, uh, our next item on the agenda is the on-deck circle. Oh, wait, no, that's the title of our podcast, Flub. The next item on our agenda is on-deck. And today we also want to not just look at what happened recently, but kind of go back to January. Back in January, it was announced the Hall of Fame class for Major League Baseball in 2023, and there are two candidates that successfully made their case and are heading to the Hall of Fame. And those two candidates are Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. Now, I mentioned to my wife that Fred McGriff made the Hall of Fame and she said, oh, yeah, Fred McGriff was a brave. He was. And he was 
pretty much played for every single other team in the sport uh, during his career. He now, had did a he really make it on the actual career. ballot, or was he like the like they have the regular ballot, and then they have like the the supplemental ballot? I forget what they call it, but it, was he the was he on the actual ballot? Because Scott Rowland was just elected. So the primary ballot, the baseball writers ballot. Uh, Scott Rowland was the only one who made it in from the okay, baseball yep. writers ballot. There is a new committee. I want to say, I, I think if I remember correctly, it's the competition era committee. And they are basically going back and looking to see if anybody got snubbed or if the baseball writers <gasps> got it wrong. And uh, they unanimously, 16 people on the committee, all 16 of them voted for Fred McGriff to be elected to the baseball hall of fame. So Fred McGriff, Scott Rowland, both going to Cooperstown this year. Before we talk about those two players a little more in depth, explain to our listeners what's the threshold. What do they mean? What do they, what, what's the criteria to get into the Hall of Fame for a for a Major League Baseball player? So there is an association, the Baseball Writers of America Association, and in order to get elected into the Hall of Fame, you have to secure two hundred and ninety two votes, or seventy five percent of the vote from the Baseball Writers of America. Uh, there were several notable players that came close but did not exceed the threshold of 75%. And there were a number that, while good baseball players, they they got nothing. So I'm just going to read off some of these. These were people that we watched growing up, had good careers, but not Hall of Fame-worthy careers, as evidenced by the fact that they got one vote or less from the Baseball Writers of America. Here we go. Bronson Arroyo, R.A. Dickey, amazing the knuckleballer, knuckle yeah, yep, the knuckleballer, yep. yeah. the no movement guy, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Houston Street, Matt Kane, who by the way pitched a perfect game during his career, he got no votes. Jacoby Ellsbury, who I'm not even sure why he's on this list. I mean, he basically played for two seasons with the Red Sox and then was injured and made so much money throughout the rest of his career. Andre Ethier. J.J. Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, Jason Wirth. Now, if you're listening to this and you're scratching your head saying, wait, who are these guys? That's exactly right. Who are these guys? They, they had good careers for their team or teams. They had some notable moments. But, Alex, I think it's important for us to remind our listeners and to remind ourselves. You don't have to be good to get on the, the Hall of Fame ballot. You just you have, have to, to be, be great. Well, no, you, you have to be great to get into the Hall of Fame, but it's it's a good it's important to note that once you're out of the league for a certain amount of time, you just get put on the ballot. That's right. And so there are guys who get votes and they may not have been relevant anywhere but the city that they played in, and they might get one vote from the writer from that particular city, but that's all they're ever going to get. They're never going to, you know, get within a, a scent of uh, or the smelling distance of 75%. Yep, absolutely. So here, so Scott Rowland, Fred McGriff, they're two who are going to the Hall of Fame. Here are several names that did not make it. And I just want to get your quick feedback as to whether you think they should be in the Hall of Fame or not. Okay. Okay. Todd Helton, he got 72.2%. Very close. He was the closest of all of the baseball players that didn't make the Hall of Fame. Is he a Hall of Famer or not? So I have him on my, my 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 cheat sheet here as somebody who I think is going to get into the Hall of Fame. It's interesting. My 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 gut reaction when I saw Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff 
I mean, I remember watching Fred McGriff play. I remember when he was a Brave. I remember him playing for the Cubs. George Washington remembers watching Fred McGriff play. Exactly. And so, like, he uh, he had a lot of home runs. Uh, he, is, uh, he had a lot of hits. He had just under 2,500 hits, just under 500 home runs, had a career batting average of 284, had a 52.6 war, uh, which we'll talk about probably later on in this podcast at some point. He did win a World Series. And if... If Fred McGriff's stats were good enough for the Hall of Fame, then Todd Helton's definitely were good enough for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Todd Helton had over 2,500 hits. He had 369 home runs. His batting average, now he played his whole career in Colorado, 316 career batting average. That's not pretty bad. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. And he was a three-time gold glove winner. And he played his whole career for the same team, which I'm nostalgic. I kind of like the loyalty there. Absolutely. And he, he played, you know, and he also played a shorter career than most. He started late. He got called up when he was 23. He played to just short of 40 years old. I think Todd Helton's if he's not in this year, maybe next year, I believe we'll probably, if we're still doing this podcast, then we'll be talking about Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I really hope that Todd Helton gets in. I mean, just a really solid ball player. But again, so I remember growing up, one of the things that was a great conversation starter with my uncle, who, as I mentioned last week, huge baseball guy. And I always used to ask him, hey, so why do some people get into the Hall of Fame and others don't? And one of the things that he mentioned to me that I thought was particularly salient is it's not just that you have a great season or that you have a long career, but that you have a long career filled with great seasons. So anybody can have a great season and anybody can have a long career, but it's the mix of can you have a long career filled with great seasons? Basically, are you a consistently great ball player and for both Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff definitely fit the bill of that and I agree with you Todd Helton definitely belongs in that conversation all right next person Billy Wagner closer Bill. for the Astros Phillies he pitched for the Red Sox too I believe Billy Wagner Billy Wagner fireballing Billy well, it's interesting that you say that just because you know the criteria for a position player and a criteria for a pitcher is seemingly different. Uh, the criteria for pitching is changing as we speak. You know, we don't have 300 win pitchers anymore. We don't have, you know, the 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 the, the dominant save guys that we used to. Although Billy Wagner was one of those guys for a little while at 422 saves. I think honestly, like I I, I don't see why he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he is a he, he was an above average. He was an elite reliever for the prime of his career. Again, I see, I can't help but just you know he had an ERA under two and a half. War, which again is talked about, wins above replacement. It's very low for him, though, and so like that's the you know that he's only at twenty seven WAR. They say you want to at least try to get above fifty. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But yeah. for a guy that's just on the outside looking in, maybe like maybe he gets in. We'll see. But I you know I'm not it, it, pitching is so hard to filter through because the the metrics and the um, just the the data points that you look at for pitching, it's just altogether different than a than a position player. All right, so he had sixty eight percent, just over sixty eight percent of the vote. So he's close, but he was by no means like within within uh, earshot. I mean, he he was a good twenty some votes shy. All right, so here's some other position players that got some votes but didn't get enough votes. Okay, I'm going to list them off. I want you to tell me if any of these you think uh, are definite Hall of Famers. Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, 
Omar Vizquel, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, and Tori Hunter. Any of those jump off it, jump off the page at you as someone who definitely A-list quality Hall of Fame candidate. You said Manny Ramirez? I did say Manny, Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez would be the one that probably would do it for me just because – Again, I said in the podcast last time, I'm a Tigers fan, so there was always a debate. Manny Ramirez was at the end of his career. Miguel Cabrera was kind of in the middle of his career. Who was the better right-handed hitter of this generation? And you look at Manny Ramirez's numbers, you know, 555 home runs, 2,500 hits. I mean, that's just – those are – eye-popping numbers for hitting he accumulated rbis and clusters exactly and so i i mean i would my gut would say you know he would be one to look at but again terrible fielder and he could almost put together a uh whatever the exact opposite of the hall of fame is you could put a montage together of just disastrous plays in the field on the part of manny ramirez so yeah. i mean it would be just for hitting i think it's just interesting and and not to belabor the point of the Hall of Fame, just the variety, because the name you didn't mention is Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones, according to most, all the experts, like it's only a matter of time before he gets in. Well, it's just interesting that he doesn't have 2,000 career hits. He doesn't have 400 home runs. He, he, or he does have 400, excuse me. But his batting average was in the 250s, but he had 10 gold gloves. The guy was an amazing center fielder. Maybe statistically the best center fielder defensively all time. And so you're like, okay, so that outweighs maybe an underperforming bat. And so like, you know, you're not necessarily going to get a uniform. You can't, there's no, yeah, there's no ideal hall of famer and you got to put, put, put yourself in the, you know, in the slot of the hall of fame. Like it can, it looks a lot of different ways. And Andrew Jones is an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see next year when we get to this time, uh, who we're talking about, who is going to get in the 2024 class for the Baseball Hall of Fame. All right, time to move on to the next item on our agenda. It's time for In the Hole. In the Hole. And this week we want to highlight some mega contracts. And when we say mega contracts, we mean mega contracts. Let me Let me just walk down well, some of the significant before you walk us down the lineup i just want to make a point you made you made the point just a second ago when you were you know talking with your uncle about what makes a hall of famer it's stringing together multiple seasons of like greatness one great season might not get you in the hall of fame but it might get you paid and that's what we're talking about here big time big time so there's two names on this list that have gotten two huge contracts the first one one of our contemporaries growing up not contemporary but uh one of the ball players that was playing when we were growing up alex rodriguez he signed two 10-year contracts during his career one of them was for 10 years 252 million dollars which sounds really small now compared to the numbers we're going to throw out here in just inflation inflation is real when we talk about these numbers we have to keep that in mind <laughs> and the other contract his last contract was with the yankees 10 years, $275 million. So he had he had two of them. Now, news that came over the weekend, and I, I came across this Sunday afternoon, uh, was that we now have a second member of the double mega contract club, Manny Machado. That's right. The first casualty of the pitch clock got rewarded with another mega contract. So he first came to the San Diego Padres on a 10-year, $300 million contract. Well, that was back in 2018, 2019. 
And I mean, this off season, there were literally billions of dollars being spent on free agents. And I mean, Manny Machado is no slop when it comes to third baseman. That man want to get paid. So, so what does he get? He gets an extension over the weekend, 11 years, $350 million, full, no trade clause, no opt-out clauses. This guy is going to be a Padre, I believe, until he's 41. No, that's exactly right. It's it, Manny Machado is a guy who again, has proven a track. He has a track record of staying healthy. Assuming he stays healthy, he's going to put together the numbers, which are going to make a case for the hall of fame. I mean, he's halfway to 3000 hits. He's halfway to 500 home runs. He's batting close to 300. I mean, 282 for a career batting average. I mean, he's a good player. He's a great player. And he's an elite defender. You talk about the perfect kind of person for the hall of fame. And right now from a stats perspective, Manny Machado checks the boxes of offensive production and defensive production. Yeah, no. And so, you know what? As far as contracts go, he's going to get paid. Now, the question is for every team who's going to pay a player for the length of time and the amount of money, there's no doubt he's going to, you know, be an all-star caliber player for the next two or three years. The question is, what does Manny Machado look like when he's 38, 39, 40? 41 and batting DH and playing first base. Exactly. And, you know, but how many DHs can the San Diego Padres have? I'm going to go ahead and just throw out just a couple of numbers for you. Manny Machado, 11 years, $350 million. They also signed Xander Bogarts in the offseason, 11 years, $280 million. Fernando Tatis Jr., who was suspended all of last year. So while he was, uh, while he was on the roids, and putting up eye-popping numbers, they went ahead and signed him for 14 years, $340 million. So the question is, is how many guys can play DH 10 years from now for the San Diego Padres, assuming the rules are at least somewhat similar today? Only one of them can. So the 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 if I'm a Padres fan or if I'm the Padres front office, I hope you win your World Series soon. That's right. Make that make that money back on your uh on your investment quickly because they also i mean they also have juan soto yeah and that's the question is like are they going to pay juan soto or is juan soto going to get paid by somebody else like i have a hard time seeing the padres being able to put a fourth guy on the payroll but apparently the owner of the padres and it'd be great to maybe talk a little more about who he is apparently money's no object for him that's right so just for some other perspective here, here's some other notable deals that went down over the offseason regarding mega Just contracts. this offseason. I mean, just this, this offseason. I mean, we're not talking about the last couple of years. This is just this offseason. Go yeah. ahead. Rafael Devers, yep. uh, third baseman for the Red Sox, 11 years, $331 million. That's right. Trey Turner, shortstop, came to the Phillies. For 11 years, $300 million. I'm noticing now, a pattern. Now, 11 uh, years is the new norm. But but now we're going to start going to some cheaper, quote-unquote, contracts. Exactly. Okay? Julio Rodriguez, 13 years, only $210 million. Okay, so here we go. Now we get to compare because Julio Rodriguez, won rookie of the year last year, was an absolute stud. And in his first year, the the Mariners are rolling the dice and they're saying, okay, this wasn't a flash in the pan, but this is something that like, this is somebody who looks like you know he can string some seasons together. If they're right, they got him at an amazing discount. 
Until he wants an extension. Until he wants an extension. But if they're wrong, he's just going to get paid and he's there for a long time and he's going to be on the books for a while. So here's an example of someone who fits in that category. Someone that that a club took a gamble on and has been riddled with injuries and has not lived up to this mega deal. Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton's a great 13 example. 13-year contract. Yep. $325 million. That guy plays the game he hits the ball so hard but he gets injured so often he's a liability for the new york yankees they cannot count on him having a steady consistent production for 162 games a year so you know we look at these position players and you see a trend most of them are third basemen yep short stops yep outfielders yep my question is when are the first basemen going to get paid i mean We've got, we've got the Freddie Freemans of the world. Well, it's just we've a matter got- of time. So, like, again, I don't want to uh, keep with the Tigers anecdotes here, but Miguel Cabrera set this trend back, you know, eight years ago when he signed an eight-year $248 million. At the time, he was a third baseman, fit in the prime of his career, and now he's a first baseman. So, Did you I think... Just, wait, 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 whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did you just call Miguel Cabrera fit? Eight years ago, he was a stud playing third base and was it was an absolute so you, you your question is when are first basemen going to get paid these first basemen these are all i'm looking at a whole sheet of first basemen and they're just six or seven years away from playing first base it's true they they are budding first basemen exactly honestly. there's a lot of potential here on this list all right well let's move on to our fourth item on our batting list today and that will be batting cleanup batting cleanup and and what we want to do now is we want to look into the future we want to we, we want to look ahead to October, yep. and we want to take a gander at who we think we want to go on the record. We want to we want to go public with who we think is going to make the playoffs, who's going to win the divisions, and ultimately who we think is going to win the World Series. So, just to rehearse, there are two leagues. We have the American League, the National League. Each one of those leagues has three divisions. And the way the playoff scenarios are set up right now, six teams from each league make the playoffs. The three division winners and three wild cards. So, Alex, let's walk through uh, our division winners for the American League and the National League. Let's walk through potential wild card uh, selections. And then let's talk through who we think is going to win it all in the World Series. Let's start off in the National League. Okay. Who you got? in the National League West. National League West, again, uh, just some of the news that came even broke today regarding just some injuries that the Dodgers are experiencing. I think this is the year the Dodgers take a step back and we're going to see if money can buy a World Series this year. I think the money for sure can buy a division championship. So I have the San Diego Padres. All right, the Padres. Alex is on the record with the San Diego Padres. Now, Yes, I saw the news that Gavin Lux tore not just his ACL, but his LCL. He's probably done for the year. However, the Dodgers have Miguel Rojas, and they have Max Muncy, and they have Freddie Freeman, and they have Clayton Kershaw, and they have Will Smith, and they have Mookie Betts, and they have Dustin May, and they have some stocked pitchers coming up from their farm system, like Bobby Miller, and uh, some other pitchers coming up soon. So I, I agree the Dodgers will take a step back. However, I don't see the Padres, even with all of the money that they spent, I don't think it translates into a division crown. I think the Dodgers win the NL West. 
We will see. We will see. All right, let's move to the National League Central. National League Central. Who you got for the National League Central? I think like I feel like this team's been the epitome of consistency over the last several years in this division. They haven't won the division every year, but they've been they've either won it or been right there the last couple seasons. I know, you know, the you know, Yadier Molina, who they, you know, retired and Adam Wainwright retired for the Cardinals. I like the pitching for this team. I like the lineup for this team. I like the manager for this team. Again, they've been consistent. I got the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee did you, Brewers. Did you just go Milwaukee Brewers? Milwaukee Brewers. Did you just laugh at the Milwaukee Brewers? So I'm just going to take everything you just said about the Cardinals. Yep. Oliver Marmel, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, retiring, Albert Pujols riding off into the sunset. The, the key word that I want you to think of when you think of the National League Central, nostalgia. Adam Wainwright is retiring after the season. The six foot seven starter who's been with the Cardinals his entire career, he, he, he has that itch like Pujols and Molina had to make the playoffs. And I think between him and working with Wilson Contreras, his new battery mate, I think the Cardinals have some intriguing young stars. Plus, they have probably the two best corner infielders in baseball. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. I'm going with the St. Louis Cardinals to win the National League Central. Not unexpected. All right, let's move to the National League East. Let's see if I can get this right. Uh, Are you really singing? Well, Trying to do the tomahawk chant, tomahawk chant for the Atlanta Braves. Oh no, you didn't. Love their lineup. Love their pitching. Uh, they just seem to be making a lot of decisions, right? As a, and they're they're in a loaded division. I mean, you can go a lot of different directions in the NL East, but again, the team that's won it the last two years, there's no reason to think that they're not going to win it this year. So I'm going to go with the Braves. All right. So in the face of your, I'm not even sure what to call what that just was. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction. Okay. A better direction, I feel, because... I feel like I know what's is, coming. There is a loaded team who is the local favorite from, from where I'm from, where I live currently, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies, the fighting Phils. Now, they went out and got one of themselves, one of the great players right now in baseball, Trey Turner. Add him into two top-of-the-line starting pitchers, proven great starting pitchers, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. Pair him with Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm. Uh, pair him with Bryce Harper when he comes back from Tommy John surgery. Pair him with the Schwarbomber. Pair him with JT Romuto, best catcher in the game. Pair him with Bryson Stott, and you have an amazing double play combo. You have amazing corner infielders. You have a great outfield, great starting pitching. Oh, and by the way, a great bullpen. Philadelphia Phillies nailing it for the NL East championship this year. I'm, that's a compelling argument. All right, let's switch over to the American League. Let's start. Well, let's not go across the country quite yet. Let's start American League East. American League East, who you got for the American League East? Okay, so I hate going chalk and stuff, and you know the 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 good money's on the Yankees probably, but I love this team. I don't know why I love this team. Their pitching is not great; it's decent, but it's not great. They got some young guns that can possibly be decent, but Luis Severino, I, 
yeah, no, I, I got to go Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto, Toronto whoa, Blue Jays. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're switching from the Yankees to the. No, Blue- no, no, no. I mean, I know that I know the Yankees are the smart team to pick. I mean, they're the, probably the favorite in a lot of people's estimation. Uh, you know, they got Aaron Judge coming off his heroic year, and you know, just you know the amazing season he's had. And you know, they're the pinstripes. They're the Yankees. I get it. But the Blue Jays, you got Vladdy, Bobichet, you got uh, Alec Manoa on the mound. I, I like that team. I just like that team. It's probably more of a heart pick than a head pick, but I like them. Well, I would argue that it's maybe another type of pick rather than a head or a heart pick. But regardless, let's again go back to the theme of nostalgia. Okay. Nostalgia. Going back to my years growing up, the Orioles had some exciting seasons. Not many, but there were a couple seasons where there where they had some young guns, they had some great players, and they made a run. This year, I think, is one of those years. They've got so many prospects that are highly touted that are coming in the system or have recently come in the system. I think the Baltimore Orioles are going to shock the New York Yankees, shock the Toronto Blue Jays, shock the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, and by the way, the Boston Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles are going to win the American League East. On the record, you heard it here first, folks. Baltimore Orioles winning the American League East. All I'm going to say is you laughed at the Brewers and you laughed at the Toronto Blue Jays and then you come and you offer up the Orioles as the AL East division champs. Well, time will tell, my friend. Time, time will tell. will tell. All right, now, let's move. We'll tell our viewers, too. We will revisit these picks at some point during the middle of the season and probably redo them. So Boy, it's I probably uh, going to be full of weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, let's move to the American League Central. Should I just go ahead and permanently mark in the tigers as the american league central division champs or are you, are you going to throw us a for a wild card here too alex yeah i've uh i'm under no um i'm under i got no reservation picking against the tigers this year i'm under no assumption that they're going to be anything that resembles decent for a baseball team uh cleveland won the division last year um they did it playing small ball um it's a bad division the al central is not is maybe the worst division in baseball it very well could be i do i you know i think this this franchise you know they have a track record of not going too long away from the al central crown and so i'm gonna go with the minnesota twins it's like you looked at my notes because I also your notes had the Orioles. I also have the Minnesota Twins for the American League Central for some of the reasons that you articulated. Uh, I also I, I yes, they got Carlos Correa, but I mean, that ankle, you know, I mean, what's going to happen with his ankle this year? But regardless, you know, Byron Buxton, there's several other guys that play on that team that I think uh, make a, a compelling case in the worst division in baseball. They are the least worst team in the American League Central. All right, let's move to the American League West. Who you got, Alex? They're the franchise that everybody loves to hate, and I love them more and more each year ever since all the stuff went down. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is probably my favorite player in baseball right now. I love Jordan. Houston Astros for the division. Um, Can't pick against them. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, you look at their pitching, there's no weakness. You look at their lineup, one through nine, they're virtually unchanged from last year. And if they won the World Series last year, why couldn't they at least win their division again this year? Yeah, I I also have the Houston Astros for the American League West. All right, let's run through wildcard teams for the American League. Wildcard teams in the American League. Alex, who are your three? 
I got the New York Yankees. I got the Cleveland Guardians. And my maybe surprise pick, I don't know, the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers. All right. So we got the Yankees, Guardians, Rangers. All right. My three that I have for the wild card are also the New York Yankees. Okay. The Los Angeles Angels. When we did this last year off air, I made the mistake of putting the Angels in the playoffs and... I've got two words PTSD for you. after doing that. Two for two words for you. Tyler Anderson. Okay. <laughs> and Shohei Otani. Uh, oh, by the way. Uh, all right. So Yankees, Los Angeles Angels, Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. I think they will have two wild card teams from the American League East. You know, all, you can say all you want about how different, you know, maybe we, we made some picks that were different between the division champs and the wild card. We've got some overlap here. We do indeed. We do indeed. All right. National League wild card. Who are your three teams? New York Mets. Love Scherzer. Love Verlander. Got them in at the wild card. The St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, for the same reasoning that they didn't win the division. Uh, they're consistent. <laughs> and they're just, they find a way to get in the playoffs. So they're and consistently good, but they're not consistently good enough to win the division. Uh, well, I mean, they, they could be, but they're right there with the Brewers. And so they're just kind of the epitome of consistency right now. And then the last one, and this is based off of coming down the stretch last year. I watched a lot of this team play. This team hits a lot of home runs. Their pitching is suspect, uh, but they got a couple young arms that are, that are, that are compelling to think about. I got the Arizona Diamondbacks. Dude, so do I. But I have it for a totally different reason. So okay. my three wildcard teams, New York Mets, yep. San Diego Padres. Yeah, okay. A couple more overlaps there. Because pitching. And the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, here's why I like the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen. He was nasty last year. I mean, he's super he was nasty. nasty. And there, there were several other great pitchers. Their bullpen, super suspect. Yeah. Well, the, the only outfield. problem is, is Gallon can only pitch once every five days. So they got to find some other guys to get there. Fill in there. Super talented. Arizona Diamondbacks outfield is stacked with uh, some great arms. All right. So who you got winning it all for the World Series? So, again, this is probably going to have to be revisited at some point. But come I, on, man. You got to go on the record. Houston Astros in the World Series from the American League playing the New York Mets from the National League. Wow. And... Houston winning another World Series. All right. All right. I also have the Houston Astros making it to the World Series again. Okay. But Houston, we have a problem because, yes, last year the Astros and the Phillies were in the World Series together. But, oh, by the way, the Phillies went out and got a shortstop. And Trey Turner is one of the best shortstops. And I don't see any reason why the Phillies can't make it back to the World Series. And I think him, along with some of the other pieces that they picked up for the bullpen and starting pitching, I think they're going to go head-to-head with the Astros. And I'm I'm going to go on the record, Phillies winning the World Series six games. I look forward to the podcast 30 days into the regular season when the Phillies are six, seven games back already in the division. They're always six or seven games back. But you know what? It's not how you start the season. It's how you finish the season. And it's all about getting hot in October. And after watching the Phillies make the run that they made last year, none of their major pieces left. They they have that experience and they're ready to go. I I see them getting back to October this year. And Bryce and Schwarber and Reese and the starters and the bullpen 
oh, by the way, and Trey Turner making a serious push for a World Series title for the city of Philadelphia. I mean, Philly needs this. Philly the doesn't. Union, okay, I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to get emotional for a second. The Philly Philadelphia doesn't need anything. Philadelphia was in the Super Bowl. They were in the World Series. They were in the MLS Cup. Yeah, they lost all three, but there's some other franchises out there that could definitely use something ahead of Philadelphia. Well, that may be true. And hey, are we going to post these picks time, for, our, uh, for, 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 for our fans out there to be able to see on social media? Yeah, so what we want to do is we want to hear from you. Who, who are your division picks? Who are your World Series picks? What are, what are some of the things that stuck out to you as you look ahead to the season and uh, you're looking at teams and their divisions? You tell me why the Brewers can't win the division. Yeah, let's, let's hear from you. Uh, like our Facebook page. And write Alex some reasons why the Brewers may or may not win the division. And uh, as big, always, big thank you to the two people out there who subscribe to our podcast already. <laughs> big thank you. That's right. Couldn't do it without you. And uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Feel free to or please uh, like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to this on. Go on Facebook, like our Facebook page, and stay tuned next week for another edition of the On Deck Circle Podcast.